You're listening to Singleness, Sex, and Dating with Perry Noble. You can connect with Perry and read more of his thoughts on relationships at perrynoble.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Singleness, Sex, and Dating podcast with Perry Noble. This week, we're going old school and broadcasting a message from the Don't Get Married Until series. In this message, Perry talks about why you don't need to get married until you hear from God and how you can know for sure when you have. Today, we're going to talk about um, don't get married until you hear from God. Don't get married until you hear from God. Um, They came to me this morning and showed me something that um, yesterday was Halloween. And I don't know about y'all, but freaky things happen Halloween. And they were like, Peter, you got to watch this. It's a security camera video of Anderson Campus. And I was like, oh, yeah, shut up, you know, whatever. And they showed me this security tape that just got taken. Just, it's just been recent. And it, it, I don't know if y'all believe in stuff like this, but if you will look when the, we're going to show the footage. If you will look when it zeroes in, if you'll listen, you can see something. And, all right, let's just roll it. We're going to do an invitation. <laughs> Some of you just said a word. <laughs> you all right? Hey, y'all don't tell anybody the rest of the services. Y'all don't tell anybody because it'll mess it up. You okay? You okay? There's some scary stuff in this world, isn't there? I mean, there's some scary stuff. We'll put that on the internet, by the way. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to get that out there so you can get everybody at work tomorrow. There's some scary stuff, but you know what is scarier than what you just saw? For some people, it's being single. In fact, can we just go ahead and admit this? Singleness is viewed as a sickness in our society today. Some people, it's like you feel sorry for the single person. Like the single person shows up to the family reunion... And like, oh, are you still dating so-and-so? No, I'm still single. And everybody goes, oh, I'm sorry. And if you're single, you should just look at them and go, I'm not. Look at your marriage. I mean, seriously. But there are singles in our society that, view, that, that they're viewed like, okay, something's wrong with them because they're single. I mean, look, at she's pretty. He's good looking. He's got a job. She's attractive. They're not married. There must be sin in their lives. There must be something wrong with them. In fact, you've, and some of you have heard me say this before, some of you, you hate going home, wherever home is, because you've got that one aunt that drives you up the flipping wall every time you get together, and like you go to a wedding with her, and you're sitting there, and she go, she's going, hey, isn't it about time? 
Isn't it about time? I mean, isn't it about, isn't, what, what's wrong? Isn't it about time for you? I think you should be next. You're probably next. I've said this before. Let me tell you how to stop that. Next time you go to a funeral with her, You are close. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I just, if you're single here, if you're single, every one of our campuses, every one of our campuses right now, if you are a single person, would you raise your hand and just raise it high? Would you raise Okay, lots of people. Look, look around. Look around. I'm trying to help some of y'all out. You've been wondering if he was single. You've been wondering if she was single. Anyway, you're not sick. You don't have a sickness. You don't have a disease. Singleness is not a sickness. It's a season in your life where God is trying to teach you something. And let me just cut it. Singles. There are some things that God can teach you easier when you're single than when you're married. Because I know so many singles that say my life will be so less complicated when I get married. That is a lie from hell. (laughs) One sinner marries another sinner and they move in together. That's going to go bad at some point in the relationship. And so I want, the the purpose of this series is for singles. Listen, I want you to get married. I love when young couples meet, they fall in love, and they get married. But I don't want, this, this is my prayer, and this is what we're talking about today. I don't want you to feel forced into marriage because society views you as sick. I want you to not get married until you hear from God. Because God has an opinion, believe it or not, on who we spend the rest of our lives with. I believe it's the second most important decision that we make. Next to what are we going to do with Jesus, the, other is, the, the second most important decision is who we're going to spend our life with here on this planet. So don't get married until you hear from God. Four things to consider. And we're going to look at a story in the scriptures. Um, Genesis chapter 24 There's some amazing, amazing, amazing things that come out of this story. And there's four points I want you to understand if you're going to hear the voice of God from this story. Number one, we're going to go and write this down, then we'll talk about it. Compromise was not a consideration. In the story we're about to read, compromise was not a consideration. If you're a single person on whatever campus you're attending today, and you have a desire to get married... I want you to understand that compromise cannot be a consideration. Now, there's a story in the Scripture, and we're going to start reading in Genesis 24, and I'm going to read and talk and read and talk and read and talk because that's what I like to do. Here we go. Verse 24, Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. Now, there was a dude in Scripture, his name was Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Some of you have no idea what I just said, and you are better for it. There's a guy named Abraham, and and you can read his story. It really picks up in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 12, where God told him, leave here, go there, go to a land where I'll show you. And he had this son, his name's Isaac, really cool deal. And the Bible says this, Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Verse 2. 
He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Let me stop right there and explain to that because that's a little weird. We don't do that very much anymore, especially to dudes. Like you won't see that on any of our campuses and any of our lobbies. Hey, man, put your hand under my thigh. Freak, I will knock you. Anyway, that, that just does not happen. But in this society, that was equivalent to signing a contract. Some of you are like, no joke. It, it was. It meant it was like signing a contract. So he signed the contract. Let's just go there because that's going to freak some of y'all out for the rest of the day. Verse 3. Look at this. This is key. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. Huge. But will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Now, during this day, let me kind of set this up. They had arranged marriages, which I was totally against until I had a daughter, and I'm for it now. I think we should go back to the Bible. I'm just saying. But Abraham was like, here's the deal. When you go to find a wife for my son... I don't want you to kind of walk out the door and go, she's pretty, she's hot, she'll do, that'll do, that, that, we can fix that up over there, whatever. I don't, I don't want you to have that attitude. I don't want you to just settle for what is easy. I don't want you to be into compromise. Abraham was telling his servant, I want you to find a wife for my son, and compromise cannot be a consideration. Singles. You, at any point in the dating relationship, can not compromise. You've got to date out of conviction and not compromise. Let me tell you why it's get tense. Some of you are sitting next to your compromise this morning. Or your compromise is still at home. He or she didn't come. Maybe your compromise got you to compromise last night. When you begin to compromise, God's not in it. And he tells Abraham, he goes, here's the deal. You're going to walk out and it's going to look easy and it's going to look convenient, but do not compromise this decision. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in two weeks when I talk to the girls because girls compromise more than guys. And the guys are like, yeah. Well, the reason why is because it's harder for them to find a godly man that loves Jesus. We'll talk about that next week. Verse 5, the servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the journey you came from? In other words, what if I, I'm going to go and tell these people that, you know, I need to get a wife, and what, what if she's not willing to come back? Can I take him? And in other words, he's still asking, can he compromise? Verse 6, make sure you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. In other words, here's Abraham, and he's telling his servant, you don't have to compromise because God is involved in the relationship process. And if God is involved in the relationship process, process, you don't have to feel like you need to plead, plead, play let's make a deal with the creator of the universe. God, let's make a deal. What do you think? And God's like, eh. oh, come on, God, come on. 
Are you compromising at any point in your relationship if you're single? Because you're going to be tempted to. I mean, you're going to be tempted to pray the all come on God prayer. Oh, come on, God. Come on. But are you compromising? Like, is there so much drama in the relationship right now? And you're like, oh, if we just get married, all the drama will go away. It multiplies. It has babies. I promise you, there's drama in the closet. I mean, there's drama everywhere. I, I had somebody say in preparation for this, we were talking about, talking about this. He goes, if you're dating somebody, if they're not fun, they're not the one. I went, dang, that's good. If you can't stand the person you're dating right now, marriage is not going to fix that problem. Compromise cannot be a consideration. You've got to be willing to say, God, I refuse to date out of compromise. I will pursue conviction over compromise every time. Now, can I tell the parents real quick? This is huge. Dads, don't you love how Abraham was involved in the dating process? And some of you are like, well, my teenager does not want me involved. When's the last time your teenager had a good idea? Uh, I mean, seriously. Do you let them spend the money in your house too? I don't think that's a good television for you, Dad. I think that'd be better in my room. Go jump in a lake, boy. I mean, you don't, you better be involved in the, li- in the dating lives of your teenager. Well, they'll hate me now. They'll love you later. I guarantee you right now, there's some girls and guys in this room that just wish their mom and dad would have said something. Something. I'm involved right now. Cares is two. You're like, how do I get involved? If you've got a little girl, you take her on a date every week. Every week you date your little girl. Every Listen, Karis has only been alive two years. Every Valentine's Day she gets flowers from her daddy. Because she's not going to get them from some middle school boy who borrowed the money from his mother. She gets flowers from her daddy. She gets taken out by her daddy. Her daddy opens the door. Her daddy treats her like a woman. When I open the door for her, you know what I tell her? Gentlemen, open the doors for ladies. I'm treating her with respect. I'm treating her with kindness. I tell her she's beautiful. I tell her she's awesome because when somebody comes along and gives her this information one day, it's not going to be new. You're beautiful. I know. You get involved. I, I cannot wait till that boy comes to pick her up for the first time. I'm going to be like, come on in. Have a seat. Right there. Tell me how you met Jesus. Now, I'm seriously, I want to hear his testimony. If he can't articulate how he met Jesus, he ain't taking her out. Because if he makes her cry, there's a good ch- chance he will meet Jesus that evening. <laughs> I just want to make sure that when, anyway, seriously, when the boy comes to pick her up, bring her and sit her down and say, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. Well, that would embarrass her. Um, are you more focused on being the cool dad or, or the godly dad? If you have sons, men, teach them to treat their little sister with respect. Like if the son ever hits the little sister, wear his tail out. Teach them to treat their mother with respect. Don't you 
ever let your son backtalk their mother. Ever. By the way, you shouldn't talk to her like she's a dog in front of your kids either. You get involved now. Now. All the teenagers starting to sweat. Now. Now. Moms, don't try to be the cool mom when your little girl's dating. Like, stop it. Like, you pick her up from the skating rink, and she's 13. She met the little boy there, and he bought her a soda. And you look, and you go, did he kiss you? She's 13, and you're the mother. Stop trying to be cool and get involved and ask some questions with some sustenance. Don't teach your kids how to compromise. Teach them how to set incredibly high standards. I've had people like, you're not going to have a say. Listen, I will answer the door. If I don't like what I see, there's a return policy. I'll be like, can I see Karis? No. Why? Because I was hoping for something better than you to come along. Have a great night. I want great-grandchildren. You can't get racehorses breeding with mules. Let's go. Number two. Number two. God was desperately sought. God was desperately sought. In this process of dating, in this process of finding a mate, God was desperately sought. And it's hard to seek God when you get what I would call focused on a frustration. Let me kind of set this up. Lucretia and I were out of the country. It was, um, it was about five years ago. We were out of the country. And if you, if you follow me on Twitter or you, you know anything about me, if I travel or when I travel, something is going to go wrong. Um, fortunately, the planes have all managed to stay in the air so far um, and land. Uh, I, but, but something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go wrong. And um, I don't know if you've ever had a flight canceled. How many of you have ever had a flight canceled? It just, isn't that just fun? Don't you just rejoice? Yay, thank you, Jesus. Flight's canceled. Um, but a flight canceled in a foreign country is not fun. I mean, it's just not fun. And I remember going and going, okay, now where's, you know, how am I going to get home? And I, I finally understood that if you yell at someone in a foreign country in English, it does not make them understand English better. And so I, I learned that lesson. God taught me that. And so I remember our flight was delayed seven hours in a foreign country, and people were smoking in the airport. And I, I have cancer from that experience, and I'm sweating, and it's nasty. And we get home, and I'm already perturbed. And have you, have you, have you just been driving down the road, and you're perturbed, and you're just like, I'm just, I'm just perturbed. I'm just mad. I'm just angry. And Lucretia is kind of sitting here, and she's being quiet, and I'm just kind of venting a little bit. And we pull up in the driveway, and she looks at me. Now, we've got luggage in the back. We've been gone for a week. So if you're a dude, you've ever traveled with your wife, you know if you go for a week, she packs the kitchen sink. And I understand that a woman needs options. I understand. That was explained to me. But I have to carry those options. <laughs> so Lucretia looks at me, literally, she looks at me. We pull up in the driveway. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. She said, I got to go to the bathroom, get the luggage, in the door. I'm like, oh. I might have had a negative thought run through my mind. That's all I'm saying. So I get the, I get the luggage, and I'm, I'm the one-trip guy. 
Anybody the one trip guy? Like you go to Bilo and you get the like you're, you got them like like bags hanging from your foot and you're driving. I got the groceries, baby. And so I've got I've got both bags and I drag them up to the door and I open the door and Lucretia, my wife, it's two o'clock in the morning. She's on the couch with a camera, getting ready to take my picture. And I went, "You've lost your mind." What are you doing? Are you, is this right before? Like I'm gonna, and I and she's just looking at me. She's just going, and I'm like, <laughs> and finally she went, look, and I looked, and while I was out of town, some friends of mine had put some money together and bought me a brand new big screen television, set it up in the living room, complete with surround sound and everything. Now. The story, I picked up the remote. I couldn't figure out how to cut it on. It took me seven days to figure that out. But the deal was, I was so focused on my frustration that I couldn't see the blessing that was right here. I'd had such a frustrating process. The flight had been canceled, all this other stuff. I was so focused on my frustration that I couldn't see the blessing. Everybody else saw the blessing except me. Singles, that is what is going to happen in some of your lives if you don't slow the heck down because you're focused on your frustration. I'm single. I'm single. I'm single. I'm single. Until you stop saying that, you're going to be single. (laughs) Single. Single. I mean, seriously. There's not a person on this planet that goes... God, I hope I see Jen today and get to listen to her whine about how single she is. That would be awesome. When you focus on your frustration, you're going to be more tempted to compromise instead of focusing on the blessing that God has for you. Because let me tell you something. If you're a child of the king, what he has for you, more specifically, who he has for you will blow your mind. Let's, let's, kinda, let's pick this up in, in, in verse 12. So the servant gets sent on this journey. And it's a pretty impossible journey. It's like, all right, I want you to leave here. I want you to go to another part of the country and another part of the world and find my son a wife. That's pretty huge. And this is what the Bible says in verse 12. Then he prayed, which is good. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. Then he gets specific. Look at this. He prays for success and kindness, and this is crazy. Verse 13. See, I'm standing beside this spring. I love that. He had to tell God where he was. His theology is a little messed up. See, I'm standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. He just happened to get there at a time when the women were coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl... Please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. He prayed specifically and desperately sought God. Now, let me tell you what this is not, especially, ladies, you're really bad at this. I just want to throw this out. This is not make a list of 82 things that you want in a man and God will fulfill that list. Because some of you have that list. You just need to knock that off. It's stupid. You've got your list. You're like, blonde hair, blue eyes, six foot four. All right, there's a problem right there. If Jesus were alive today and we're walking the earth, you couldn't date Jesus. 
If you have a list that you couldn't date Jesus, I mean, that's bad. He was not 6'4", and he did not have blonde hair or blue eyes, despite what the really bad Hollywood movies portray him as. What this is, is saying in the process of your dating guy or girl, you're going to desperately seek God, not help God out. Have you ever tried to help God out in the dating process? I did. It was awesome. I remember, I brought, and I'm, by the way, if you're a Clemson student, I'm speaking at Clemson FCA Thursday night. I'm going to talk more about this particular story. But there was this girl that I was with that didn't need to be with, and God had told me I didn't need to be with her. And so I broke up with her. But as soon as I broke up with her, all these insecurities began to overwhelm in me. And I remember I was driving down the road, and I was like, God, I really think I was supposed to break up with her. But God, if I'm not supposed to break up with her, I'm about to go around this bend. I know there's a red light. God, if you want me to go back to her house... Make the red light be red. I went around the corner and it was green. So I slowed down. (laughs) Really slow. And it turned red. And I went, this is God. Now that's funny, but you would be amazed at the stories people tell me like that. Perry, I woke up one day and I was reading in the Bible and there was a woman and her name was Deborah. And I met this girl, and her name's Deborah. What do you think? Wow. Sounds like God's in it. You want to do that marriage right now? I mean, seriously. Instead of trying to help God out, we, if you're single, you've got to become so desperate for God and say, this is what the servant was praying. God, I need you to make it so clear that I can't miss what you have for me. I need you to make it so clear. Singles, listen, if it's not clear, don't push forward. You're not in a rush. I need you to make it so clear, God, what you want from me. If you're married and you're like, my marriage is in trouble, what do I do? You beg God to make it so clear what you need to do. That's what this guy did. God, I'm praying specifically because I need for you to make it clear what I need to do. God, make it clear. I remember when I was pursuing Lucretia, and we'll talk more about this in a few weeks. My, my version's three minutes long. Her version, 30 minutes long. But, um, and her version is better. It's more detailed. Women will love it. Uh, when I pursued her, I remember July 3rd, 1996. It's the day we started dating, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Um, and, and we were talking over the phone. And I said, uh, are you sure you want to date? And she's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of sure. And I was like, I'm not really with kind of sure. I don't like kind of sure. She said, well, I'm 99% sure. And I was like, what do you mean you're 99% sure? She's like, well, I'm 91%. And I was like, what's that 1%? She goes, well, I'm just scared. And listen, dude, if the girl tells you that she's scared, that does not mean you turn the pressure on. You're a freak. Back off. She's scared of you. You know what I did? I hung up the phone that day and I said, God, if, if we're supposed to be together, you're no, you know we're supposed to be together. The next morning, I'm not making this up. She'll be on stage with me in a few weeks to verify. The next morning, she's having her quiet time in the book of First John. She gets to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, and she reads this for herself. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
God got her. I prayed, I was God get her. Amen. <laughs> the whole process of our dating process, the whole process was God was desperately sought. And I refused to focus on my frustration. If you're single and you're frustrated, don't focus on that frustration. Focus on the blessing that God has for you. Focus on the blessing. Because what will happen is God will make it clear. Let's just keep reading in Genesis because that's what he prayed for. God, I need you to make it clear. That's what he prayed for. Look at this. This is crazy. Um, verse uh, 15, before he had finished praying, I love that. Now, that's, some of you are going to do that today. God, give me a man. Amen. Ooh, look at that. I mean, that's probably not going to happen in the lobby. But before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Micah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She came down to the spring, filled her jar up, and came again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. Verse 19, after she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. She did exactly what he had prayed for. God made it abundantly clear. Number three, the process, must, the process was immersed in worship. The process was immersed in worship. The process was immersed in worship. I was in Colorado last week. Some people asked me, did you go skiing? No, I did not. I do not ski. I have tried to ski. Every time I have tried to ski. Listen, asking me to go skiing would be equivalent to asking me to go stand on Interstate 85 and letting a truck hit me. Same thing's going to happen. It's much cheaper with the truck. I promise. I, I remember the very first time I went skiing. I don't know if you ever had this experience. I was like eight years old. I was like skiing. How hard can skiing be? You get poles, you get skis, go downhill. So I got there, but my parents made me take the lesson. You ever taught, you ever taken the lesson when you go, you the lesson? And so they take you on a hill about like an anthill. You know what I'm saying? Anybody can ski on an anthill. And so they take me to this anthill, and they teach me how to do something called the V wedge. You know what the V wedge is? It's how to stop. And it works on an anthill. You, you, you're skiing, and you do your skis like this. And the snow goes, see, I wanted to do one of those, things. I tried that once. It didn't really go good. Um, but the, the, the whole V-wedge thing, you just kind of do this, and you stop. It's just, it, and it worked on the anthill. And so I'm sitting there, and there's like the beginner slope, and then there's the intermediate slope. And I'm like, I'm going to intermediate slope. And they're like, you know, I'm like, I know how to do the V-wedge. I'm golden. So I never will forget getting on the intermediate slope. Now, they didn't teach me side to side. You know, if you ski, you're supposed to go side to side and stuff like that. They didn't teach me side to side. So I didn't know. And I'm eight. And I have two poles, two skis. And I get to the top of the hill and I went, <laughs> 15 seconds later, I'm going Mach 4 and my hair's on fire. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I am flying by people. I mean, I am, it was un, but I've never gone that fast in my life. <laughs> I had great form. And the bottom of the hill is getting really close, really fast. And my uncle is over here, and he goes, do the V-wedge. I tried, and when I, I don't even really know what happened, but the skis went this way. My legs somehow got tied in a knot. I started flipping end over end. I'm not lying. Skis went everywhere. Poles went everywhere. And when it was over, the carnage, I think I killed 17 people. 15 were missing. I just laid, and I remember thinking, 
I was going too fast for that stupid thing to work. I got going down the hill so fast that I couldn't stop. That's what happens with some singles when it comes to dating. You have really great intentions at the top of the hill, but when you push off and you begin to go down, you get caught up in the process rather than getting caught up in Jesus. And the process is not immersed in worship. God made it abundantly clear to this guy, the woman he was searching for, and what was his reaction. Genesis chapter 24, starting verse 26. The Bible says this, Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. He began to praise and worship and give thanks to God. The process of this pursuit was immersed in worship. Singles, I'm just going to ask you a question, and I'm going exactly where you think I'm going. Is the process of your dating immersed in worship or wickedness? Is the process of your dating immersed in worship or wickedness? Wickedness being your struggle with sexual temptation. Because it is incredible. It is impossible, single dude, to say that you love Jesus with all your heart and raise your hands in worship and then go put those hands where they don't belong on a female. It is impossible, ladies, to say you love Jesus and that you are his, but then you go turn yourself over to a guy just to have his attention. The process needs to be immersed in worship, not in wickedness. Now, I know, I know, God, I remember because I used to be the single guy going, he's going to talk about sex and don't have sex and don't do sex. And nah, 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 nah. I'm, I love sex. <clears throat> Never heard the preacher say that before. <laughs> Sorry he was depressed. I'm... Is there a married person in here that likes sex? Is this any campus? Any campus? Would you raise your hand? God created it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I'm all about, listen, praise God. For those of you that think God is boring, uh-uh, he came up with that all by himself. It wasn't like he caught Adam and Eve. And I know, I know, I know, especially if you're single and from a church background, um, you remember they did the sex talk every year? Remember that? They did the sex talk, and this was the sex talk, don't do it. And they always brought in the person that looked like they had never had sex. And if they did, they didn't enjoy it or it had been so long since they had it that they couldn't remember it. You know what I'm talking about? Come on now. If you're from a church background, that's funny. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm just telling you, sex is great inside of marriage. Outside of marriage, it'll rip you apart. It'll destroy intimacy. 
Because some of you are like, yeah, when we get married, we're going to have sex all the time. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Your marriage has to be built on something other than the physical. It has to be built on the intimate. She needs to feel valued and treasured to you at all times. And valued and treasured to you, gentlemen that are single, means you do not ask her to compromise what Jesus has asked her to do during the dating process and vice versa, ladies. You cannot have a relationship focused on Jesus, and you cannot be an individual focused on Jesus if the process of your dating is immersed in wickedness and not worship. Now, in marriage, sex is worship. And some of you, you've never heard that. Well, I'm, I'm getting, I mean, I don't know about other campuses, but sex is worship. Yes, it is. Song of Solomon, the whole thing. God, it's a great book. <clears throat> But outside of marriage, it will destroy you and will destroy your relationship with Jesus. It won't end it, but it will, it will fracture it. Let me talk to some middle school and high school girls here this morning on every one of our campuses because I know you're listening. And you're thinking, but it's special and he loves me. And he doesn't. For those of you in middle school and high school and in college that may be giving yourself to a dude, He's bragging about that. And he's telling all of his friends what you do with him. And it might be special to you, but to him and to all his friends, you are a joke and he's making fun of you. And you do not need to give something like that to a guy like him. Wait on the man that God has had for you and seal the deal with a vow. Why do we have to have a vow to seal it? Because God had a vow in Genesis 2 that sealed the first marriage. I think he's smarter than us and he's figured this out. Immerse the process in worship where it draws you closer to Jesus and not in wickedness where it tears you apart. Now this is the first service, so I'm not going to talk that much more about sex because this is the service that gets the most uncomfortable. Six o'clock service. <laughs> They'll be like, yes! Anyway, so we'll um, be back. Number four. Others affirmed the decision that was made in the dating process. Others affirmed the decision that was made. I don't know how I made it in this world without a GPS unit, but I've got one now, and it goes with me everywhere I go. Love my GPS. Love it. But about, um, about a month ago, I was in Los Angeles. I'd flown out there. I like, flew out on a Thursday. I spoke on a Friday. I flew back on a Saturday. <clears throat> I missed the TCU game. It was just bad. And, um, but um, I had to get up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, me and a crew that went with me. We had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to fly back to the East Coast. And 3 o'clock is early. I mean, it's just, I mean, I started praying, and God was like, shut up, Perry. I didn't even set the sun up yet. Be quiet. So anyway... So three o'clock. So I remember I got up that morning and I'm, I'm I was born in Los Angeles, but I don't know how to get to anywhere in Los Angeles. And so I had two GPS units, like the car that I'd rented had one, and then I had my own little GPS unit. And I cut both GP. I love doing it. I love cutting them on and letting them compete because I'm a dude. See which one can find it faster. You know what I'm saying? And so I cut them both on. I pulled out of the parking garage and um, I was like, all right. And and, and it, both of them said connecting the satellite. I said, no problem. Now, I'm in downtown Los Angeles. I didn't know where I was. So I started, I was like, well, I'll just drive around the block. 
And sooner or later, these GPS things will connect with the satellite, and I'll figure out where I'm going. I drove around the block one time. They're still connecting. No problem. I'll drive around the block a second time. I am not making this up. I think we drove around that block 12 or 13 times. Still connecting, still connecting. By this point, I am losing my mind. I'm like, we could have driven to Anderson by now. I have, I am, and finally, there, there's a girl in the back seat, and she has um, a Blackberry. Is that Blackberry? And she goes, she has Google Maps, and she pulled it up on her phone. And so she begins giving me directions because these two, two GPS units will not connect to the satellite. It took somebody else in the back seat who ordinarily I might not have paid attention to because I am the best driver on the planet. <laughs> because the GPS units wouldn't connect. For those of you that are single and you may be dating, you know what you are? You know what love can cause you to be? A GPS unit that can't connect. A GPS unit that can't connect. Love is blind, is it not? Like, you get married, and you're like, I didn't see that. Well, they didn't change. They were that way the entire time. So you've got to involve others in the process. That's what this dude did. He shows up. He prays, God, if, 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 if this is from you, then make, you know, let her water the camels. And she started watering the camels, and he walks up to her. Now, imagine this. You're the girl, and he walks up and said, I prayed for this to happen, and so I think you're supposed to go back to this foreign land and marry this dude. So you ready to go? And she's like, um, um, could you Facebook me maybe later? Um, because I think this is weird. But in this, process, in this society, stuff like that happened. And so they go back to the house, and he goes up, the, the Abraham servant goes up to Rachel's dad and said, this is what happened. Because if you're a dad, I'm like, if this happens to me, hey, I prayed and Karis came up and watered my camels. And I'm like, well, I'm going to bury you. You know, that's not going to, but this, this happened. And so he just begins to tell his story in verse 42. And the Bible says this in verse 42, when I... This is the servant telling the story. When I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you, will, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside this spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says drink and I'll draw water from your, for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Once again, God make it clear to me. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water, and, and I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered the jar, and he goes on to tell the entire story. Verse 50, the Bible says, Laban and Bethuel, who were, her, who were basically Rachel's father and her caretaker, Laban and Bethuel answered, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. In other words, what is going on in that relationship right there is from God, and we give it our full approval. If you're single, and you're dating him, or you're dating her, and you think that he or she might be the one, you're a GPS unit that can't connect because love often blinds you. Why don't, this is just a recommendation, why don't you involve other people that love Jesus in your dating process? And ask them, hey, this is so-and-so, what do you think? What do you think about him? What do you think about her? The only reason that some singles are unwilling to do this is because, well, I know what they're going to say. Would you be willing to involve others in the dating process? Let me explain what this mean, means. Dudes, this does not mean you're perverted friends. 
Yeah, man, that's my buddies. They just want to know, what you, y'all done it yet? I mean, seriously, is that is that's your standard? That's, and if you're a single dude, why don't you find a godly man that is in absolute in love with Jesus and has been married for quite some time and talk to him about relationships? Single girls. If you want good advice on relationships, you've got to quit talking to single girls. They're single girls. Now, I know every single one. I, I read a book on dating once. Yeah, I read a book on heart surgery once. Do you want me to do open heart surgery on you? No. If you're a single girl and you want great marriage advice, why don't you talk to somebody who's actually walked where you're wanting to walk instead of somebody who has a lot of great philosophy? What's even better is when single girls, you get married, and then you have marriage problems, and you run to all your single girlfriends for advice. That'd be like me asking Karis for advice on how to handle money. She don't have any money. How in the world could she know how to handle it? I've challenged this church every campus before, and I'll challenge you again. If you're single, you find a couple that's been married for 10, 15 20 years, you sit down with him, you sit down with her, you ask for their advice, you ask what they would say, you ask for their input, you ask, you involve other people in the process, well, it'll slow it down, maybe you need to slow down. I I did it several, several months ago on every campus, I'm going to do it again. If you're a couple in this room, whatever campus you're on, You've been married, let's just say 10 years or more. 10 years or more. 10 years or more. Would you raise your hand and hold it high? Keep them up. Keep them up. Singles, look around. Singles, look around. These are the best marriage counselors in the room. They've made it at least 10. Take them to lunch today. Heck, you're a college student. Ask them, can you go to their house for lunch? (laughs) Ask their advice. You're stupid if you don't. Stupid. Stupid. Do not compromise. Passionately seek God and ask him to make it clear and involve others. It sets you up for a marriage that will blow your mind. Can we pray? Heads bowed, eyes closed, every campus right now. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you, God, that you would absolutely convict our hearts. God, there are husbands and wives here that have been married 10, 15, 20 years. And every one of us that have been married that long, God, we know it's by your grace ultimately. It's not because we're that godly. But Father, right now, all over our campuses, I pray that husbands and wives that have been married that long would just hold hands. And God, they would just thank you for that time that you've given them. Father, I pray for the single person right now that they would not view themselves as sick, but this is a season in which they need to embrace. And Father, I pray that they would embrace it with passion and seek you. Father, I pray if there's someone here that does not know you, Jesus, that does not know you, that they will not leave this campus today 
without having a conversation with someone about how to know Jesus Christ. Father, you have made your will so clear to us, and I praise you, God, that you have nothing but the best for your children. Help us to embrace what you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, whatever campus, stop by guest services and talk to somebody about that. Take a married person to lunch. Ask them how in the world you do it. Show up next week. We're going to have fun talking to the guys. I love you. God bless.